Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast, where we promote, educate, inspire, and entertain creators of all things related to fantasy and science fiction. Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me Tabitha Shipley, who is the author of the Kingdom of Fraun series and some standalone books, uh, 30 Days Without Wings, Spark of Magic, and Projection. Tabitha, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Tabitha. I've been a writer for five years now, professionally writing, but I've always been kind of a daydreamer and a writer. I was a teacher for 16 years and I taught and worked with young adults, which is why I tend to write for young adults more than anything else. But I'm also an avid reader and I read in every genre and I read over 100 books a year. So it's pretty intense. My love for books is pretty deep. <laughs> That's a lot of books a year. How do you yeah. how do you keep that schedule and write and, and do things? Um, we don't watch a lot of TV. I read a lot of books and I listen to audiobooks in the car. I totally count audiobooks as reading. Um, helps me focus actually to listen to something out of book while I'm trying to drive. So uh, yeah, now that I've discovered audiobooks, it's really game changer. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I count my uh, audiobooks as reading. It's totally yeah. reading. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So uh, you're you're teaching for 16 years. Um, yeah. What what was the spark that like you decided to to go full time into writing? I had written five books that have never been published before I wrote Breaking Iselda, which is the first book in the Kingdom of Fraun series. When Breaking Iselda was done and I was happy with it and I decided that we were going to move forward with publishing it, I knew the other books in the series were going to have to come. Um, and that was going to require more time and focus. And teaching is seriously a full-time times two job. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do both. So I actually work part-time in a bookstore as well as writing. Um, the bookstore is just fun. I get to meet people and talk about books all day, but writing is what I do. That is primarily my living. And it was just because I needed to be able to focus on getting that series done. Mm -hmm. So what was the spark? Like, what was the genesis? How did you come up with the story for, um, the Kingdom of Fraun? Kingdom of Fraun is weird because like I said, I'd written five before that. And always my ideas are like character or idea driven. Kingdom of Fraun came to me as a full setting. I imagined Fraun first and I thought, well, this is so weird. Nobody writes like that. And I, I had to go with it. I had to flush out that setting and flush out how it came to be and how they became a kingdom and where they came from. And the story came after that. It was strange. Uh, but once I had the story and the character, it just grew from there. And I knew there are five major characters in the book and I knew they were going to have to each take over part of the story. It is a four book series. Each character takes over and tells more of the story as the series goes on. It's done. People don't have to wait for me to finish. But the villain from the first book, who everyone loves, never had his chance to tell his story. Um, his short story and other short stories from France, so kind of an accompanying novel, is scheduled to come out next year in 2023. Was that difficult, uh, maintaining that balance between the, the five characters? Yes. <laughs> it, it required a lot of notes and writing down absolutely everything. And my timeline was insane. I have a big green notebook. I don't know why it was important. That I just told you it was green, but it is. <laughs> it's a, a big green notebook and each character has their own page and each realm has their own page. And it's just full of all the details that I might need on anybody at any given time. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know why you, you shared the color as well, but sometimes I think of like uh, trigger things. And so like maybe just the green color, like just, you know, stimulates uh 
you know, creativity on you or something. I don't know. I could just picture it. It was like, it's green. It's a green notebook. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why that matters. <laughs> you have three standalone novels as well. Lots of people, when they get into fantasy and science fiction, they think of series. They So yeah. how do you decide, okay, this is going to be a standalone or is this, this is going to be a, a series? That was a major talking point and question in my live videos on Facebook, what I do with fans. Um, Breaking Zelda and 30 Days Without Wings came out almost exactly at the same time. And so fans kept asking, how come there's more books in this series and not this one? Um, and that was hard for me to answer. I, ha- I think the only thing I can answer, the only thing I can say to that is that I knew the story was done. I told all of it that I set out to tell, and you don't have all the answers. You don't know everything, but you know everything that I set out to tell. And I'm just done with it. That's it. That's all you get to see. It was like a snapshot of someone's life. And what made Fran different is that we got a snapshot from four distinctly different characters. It just happened that that told the full stories. You got a series out of it. So a part of it was because Fran had such a big cast that I, I needed to give them all their time in the spotlight. And that's not true with my other ones. I knew who the story was about and it, that's just it. That's all you get is that little piece of their life. Um, of course I say that. And then 30 days without wings did actually for the four year anniversary, get a hardcover with two bonus chapters. That was like fan requested. Um, it's still the most common question I get is why doesn't that have a second book? So four years later, it got two bonus chapters in a hardcover. So what are the challenges between a standalone versus a series? Um, standalone, like what's your, what's your writing process? Are you outlined for both of them or was 30 days without wings more of like a, a pantser type scenario? Um, I don't pants anything. I'm an outliner all the way. Okay. I'm a big plotter. Um, so I have full outlines for everything when I decide that it's going to be a full story. And for Fran, I had an outline for the series and I also had an outline for each book. So there's a big outline that encompasses the whole thing that tells me when the books start and end. And then there's an outline for each book, um, which also is how I know if they're going to be standalones. Because if the outline is short enough that it has a start and an end that can fit in one book, it's a standalone. Mm-hmm. So I, I suppose that's the answer to how that works. Because I have outlines, I can tell it's going to be one book. No, that's awesome. That's a, a great tip or trick for somebody who's starting out if they want to decide how they want to go to plot it out and see what where it takes you and yeah. then decide. Well, yeah, and I had to have good breaking points for each book in the series. I mean, you don't want to end on a terrible spot. You have to end in a good position. So that outline that runs for the full series helps me figure out if it, there's even a good breaking point for those books. Mm-hmm. So that's something I recommend outlining your full series first. So I'm sure like, like many authors, you have tons of ideas floating around in your head all the time. <laughs> so how do you decide which ones are good enough to, to pursue or which ones are junk or which ones yeah. to, to hold off for a little bit? So I have what I call an idea journal. That's literally just a big file on my computer full of every idea I ever get. You know, you have a dream in the middle of the night or have a weird idea when you're driving and I just write them all down. Some of them are characters, some are situations, whatever. Um, And then later on, when I'm trying to pick a new idea, a new work in progress, I go back through and read through my idea journal. And if one of them speaks to me more, and feels like something I want to flush out, then I work on that. If I can make an outline out of it, we have a work in progress. So my idea journal is like, that's gold. That is, if that went up in flames, I would be in so much trouble because that has everything I've ever thought of. Mm -hmm. Um, Spark of Magic 
when I was trying to pick a new work in progress, there were two different characters on two different pages of the idea journal that I just kept coming back to. And I kept, okay, I like her, no, but I like her. And then I would, I don't know, just one day I realized, oh my gosh, I think they're in the same story. And Spark of Magic was born when I decided to outline as if those two were not only in the same story, but competing with each other for the same magical job, basically. So my idea journal has ideas going all the way back to when I was like 11 or 12 years old. Oh, wow. So you've written five books before you got published. Yeah. So are you going to rework those to to do them? Or is that just learning experience? Uh, I want to set those uh, aside. Most of them were a learning experience, and I was fine with letting them go. Um, this year for 2022, I sort of challenged myself to revisit one of them and see if I can do anything with it. Um, it is my current active camp nano work in progress for the July nano challenge I'm doing with my writing group. Nice. So I was able to outline it in June and I'm, I'm actually trying to write it, actively write it in July. It's going good so far. I mean, I'm 11,000 words into it or something crazy like that. Um, it was garbage. I had to like pretty much scrap it and start all over, but, but you know, the basic idea is still there. <laughs> No, that's okay. There's lots of authors that I've talked to that have had to scrap 60, 70, oh, yeah. 80% of your, you know, their novel and start over. Yeah. And yeah. to those people who are starting out and, and listening to this, like that can be heartbreaking. Yeah. It's scary, but I don't throw anything out. So I still have all those old ones and I can still pull a chapter and read. If it was a chapter I really, really liked, I can still draw from that later. It's still there. It just needs to be I don't know, better. I need to use the tools that I have now to make it more accessible. Right. No, I know authors as well that have many books, you know, behind them before they were first published and they've taken characters from previous novels or, you know, subplots or whatever and fleshed them out. Um, is that something that you have done or do you just work strictly from your, your idea journal? No, I definitely borrow from old stuff. And some of those things are um, still in the idea journal or appeal appear again in the idea journal again. You just recycle the stuff. You know you want to use it. It was a good character. You want her to come back. You just have to find the right story. Um, and it doesn't always click just because I have all these books out now. It's not always perfect on the first try. Um, I'm pretty open and vocal on social media about my struggles because I'm, I know new writers feel the same thing. Um, I have something I keep calling the apocalypse project. It's been in the idea journal for like six years and I keep coming back to it. I know I want to write this story. And every time I think I have it, I, I don't know, something happens, it fizzles out. It's still not right. The outline's like 30% done and it's just still not right. So I'm pretty vocal about that, that you have to keep at it. Don't give up, don't delete anything. But if it doesn't feel right, shelve it for a while and come back to it later that's too bad it slips through your fingers like that yeah i don't know i don't someday it'll come back it'll get finished but <laughs> i just don't know i haven't found the big twist yet that makes it all work right <laughs> so you know you you said you're a fan of all genres and stuff why did you choose fantasy uh to pursue writing in that it's fun it's fun to imagine a world where anything is possible right i like to take contemporary ideas and themes the same stuff we struggle with every day um, falling in love, knowing who you can trust, everything, those normal everyday things and put them in totally fantastical situations. Um, I don't like when I read fantasy and I, there's no normal in it for that character. I like when my fantasy has a little bit that I can connect with that's 
okay, wait a minute, we have that now or things like that. Um, I really pushed to do that in Spark of Magic. It's a story about a magic school, but technology had to be there. They're still real people. They still struggle with regular normal things, even though they happen to be the strongest magic users in the world. That That's what I have fun doing, playing and pushing that boundary of fantasy and contemporary. So yeah, it's fun. It's That's the only reason I write it is because I enjoy doing it and it's just a good time. <laughs> No, it is awesome. I, I really enjoy fantasy and science fiction. That's why I do this podcast. So right. I get it's to talk to cool honest. people. Yeah. There's no rules. You get to make up the rules as you go. And that's so much fun. <laughs> it, it really is. And what you do as well, like you have to connect with characters. You have to have some sort of realism, even though you're in a fantastical world. So like yeah. your character has to feel, you know, I don't know, loneliness or love yeah. or, or whatever or else, you know, you have a wooden character and that's, that's boring to yeah, read. That's exactly it. I want people to be able to read it and think, oh my gosh, this person gets it. This this character is going through exactly the same thing as me, even though, I mean, they're a magic user or they're three inches tall or whatever, but they are going through exactly the same stuff you are. It's the same stuff. Humans are, we're everywhere. And it's important to have us represented, even just through our emotions. No, exactly. Who? So growing up, um, when did you get sucked into to fantasy and decide like, you know, someday, like, that's what I'm going to do. I don't know. I, I can't ever remember waking up one day and going, oh, I want to be a writer. I, I always used to write stuff down, and I always had a book in my hand. So I, it makes sense that that went naturally. It, it happened eventually. Uh, but no, big. I was a big Stephen King fan, probably younger than I should have been reading Stephen King. <laughs> um, I think I read it when I was like 13. I was way too young to be reading that book. Um, what else did I read? Fantasy, my goodness. I read everything, so it's really tricky. I read contemporary stuff too. So Secret Garden was a big one. Mm -hmm. Still is. Yeah, I don't even know who my very first, first like big fantasy author was that I totally fell in love with because Stephen King doesn't count. He's not fantasy, he's horror. <laughs> he has some fantasy books, but you're right. He's mostly horror. <laughs> yeah, he's mostly horror. Yeah, and he's creepy. So I don't know. Uh, but no, I recently read Brandon Sanderson because somebody said I have to, that he's the best. So I, I recently, I don't know how I missed him for so many years, but I tried that. My dad read Robert Jordan and I used to read him, you know, you used to sneak him because you're like, oh, I'm reading my dad's book. I'm breaking rules. But read a little, little Robert Jordan. He's good. I like the Wheel of Time series. That stuff's good. Yeah. Wheel of Time's awesome. So is Brandon yeah. Sanderson. He's pretty good. Well, and he took over the Wheel of Time series. Yeah. So just bringing that crossover in there. Everybody loves those two. I, I said I work at a bookstore. Whenever we get books by those two in, Sanderson or Robert Jordan, they, they're gone as fast as we get them in. It's crazy. Um, so who are some, besides Brandon and Will, the Robert Jordan, um, who are some contemporary people that, that you look up to? I don't know why I read so much contemporary, but I do. Uh, hands down, my favorite author in the world is Tom Levine. He's an Arizona local author, and he writes young adult contemporary mostly. He is my favorite but he's also great for learning because his young adult voice is so authentic and it, it just comes across so well i i um he wrote in an anthology that i just forgot the name of but he's one of the short authors in the anthology but their names aren't listed and so i read the first two pages and i put the book down and said to my husband that one is tom and my husband's like well, how can you tell you read two pages because his voice is so clear that you just know his writing when you read it so he's, that's one of my inspirations for sure. Cause I, I want to have a voice that's so obvious that you know, it's me when you pick it up and read two pages. So he's my favorite. I do also like Jody Picot and uh, Friedrich Bachman for contemporary stuff. 
Um, I read lots of people though. Karen Laranaga is a horror and paranormal author. Um, she's outstanding. I have a paranormal book coming out in no, no, October. I have a paranormal coming out this October. And she was definitely a big inspiration for that because she's um, always recommending good books and her books are just outstanding. So they're probably my favorites, I think. Nice. Earlier you mentioned you have a writer group. How instrumental is that in your success? I have changed writing groups a few times, but a writing group is huge. Having somebody that I can bounce ideas off of or even somebody, my writing group right now, we're very positive. We just sort of cheerlead and encourage, hey, keep going, keep writing, you can do it. Um, I love it. I love that I have that, that accountability that I have to check in with someone and they're going to make sure that I got it done. Um, yeah, they're amazing. I highly recommend a writing group, even if it's like online. There's a lot of them on Discord. I found my current one through Twitter and they connected with me and I use, um, I think we use Discord as our app where we meet up and chat. Uh, it's just wonderful. I highly recommend it because it helps keep you on track. So are these local people around your area or is it all over the nation or world? All over the place. We are everywhere. And I think there's 10 of us right now. Nice. Um, like I said, we, we met on Twitter. So it's funny because I'll log in at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning and check in with the group. And I've had postings all night because for them, it was daytime. <laughs> They're all over the world. So it is a lot of fun. But that's the reason why we have to be online instead of in person because we're everywhere. No. And that's another thing that you don't have to, you know, it's the world is wide open and you can connect and network and find people with your same interests that can help you out. And we don't even, we don't even all write the same things. We've got a couple of romance authors in there, some fantasy, some science fiction. So we're everywhere and it's nice. You can still come together to talk about the plot of your story and how it's going to work and how your characters are developing. Even if we write two totally different genres. <laughs> yeah. So those people that are just starting out, like even if you're like me and you live in the middle of nowhere, USA, like you can find yeah. somebody that can help you. Um, Absolutely. So I, I know there's different types of writing groups and, and different things that can go on. Um, I have an author friend who um, is very, her author, her writing group is very goal-driven. Like they, they yeah. support each other goals. Is that something you guys do? We are, um, yes, goal-driven. However, the goals are personal. So you don't necessarily need to have the same goal as right. me. Um, this month, however, for July, we all promised to do the Camp Nano and try to write the 50,000. So this is the first time the writing group has all been on the same track. Like, oh, we were supposed to write 50,000 words. How, did you get your words done today? Normally, they're just kind of, we get to set our own. Um, and like I said, I have one coming out in October. So previous to this, my goals had pretty much been get my arcs ready, get my proofreading done. So this is the first writing goal I've had with this new group. And they're just, they're awesome. This is great. I'm loving it. Nice. So what's a typical day uh, for you uh, habit-wise? Like, what, what do you do to stay on track? I definitely try in a perfect world to write about a thousand words a day. Sometimes that's idea journal because I have to get stuff out of my head. Um, right now it's on the new project because I have to get that done for July, but I do try to write a thousand words a day. I do also try to read a hundred pages a day Oh wow! from whatever I'm currently reading. So those I have to squeeze in around going to the bookstore, raising my kids, making dinner, you know, that kind of fun stuff. Summers are great. I don't have to spend a bunch of time in the parent drop-off and pickup line. So I get more time writing and reading. Um, however, during the school year, I will listen to audiobooks in the parent drop-off and pickup line. So <laughs> you try to make it work around your crazy schedule. Um, there have definitely been times when I didn't, I didn't feel it. You know, you don't feel like the words are going to come if you sit down at the computer. I 
try to force myself to sit down anyway and write something, even if I just end up venting about my day and how stressed I am instead of writing a story. Um, you, I think you just have to keep that creative channel open and have, give the words a chance to come out if they're going to. No, I think what you said, um, well, alluded to consistency is kind of key on that. Yeah. Like sit down every day and be able to do it. And a thousand words, like, it's a lot. I don't notice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot. I know Stephen King in on writing, I think it says that he gets 2000 words a day. So, yeah. I mean, a thousand words, a th- if you do that every single day, that's 365,000 words a, yeah. a year. Like that's, that's quite a bit. And you can definitely find, like we were talking about writing groups, you can definitely find a writing group that fits you. I know people who sit down and write every other day because every day is never going to happen. I know people who are happy with 500 words a day. And then I know there's my editor is trying to write a million words this year. So there are people who just go all over the place. You can find people at your level. Um, I think it's important to make sure you're comfortable with whatever goal you set and be flexible. When I first sat down to try to write, when I stopped teaching and it was like, I'm going to do this full time, my goal was 1,500 words a day. Now that I'm at a bookstore, that that number needed to come down a little. So my target's 1,000 this year. So you mentioned the editor. How did you find your editor? Uh, This one, Twitter. Um, I find a lot of people through Twitter. The writing community is amazing. I participate in the s'more words hashtag game like every day where we talk about our like progress, work in progress, what we're working on. There's questions. It's a lot of fun. It's pretty laid back. But I've connected with a lot of writers that way. And I actually found my editor from the s'more words. They used to be the host. Um, and so I found I found them that way through that challenge. Nice. Uh, and, and you know, you have to find cover artists as well. What did you do to – was that through Twitter as well? Uh, I have two of them I found through Twitter. And I actually have a husband who is awesome with computers and graphic design. So quite a few of the covers we've designed ourselves. Oh, nice. Which is kind of cool. Um, but I did find some through Twitter. So I know that, you know, Amazon and you're always trying to sell and market your books. Um, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do to stay up on that with the changing <laughs> algorithms that Amazon throws at you? Or uh, you know, if, you, if you go wide, you know, that you have to deal with other things as well. Like what, yeah. what are you trying to do? Uh, okay. So hands down the best thing I recommend to any new author is to get out and do events in person because people like to put a face with a book that you they just can't do that behind a screen um not as well anyway so I think I met you at fan fusion so I do fan fusion and I do local events from the libraries around here call some bookstores bookstores and libraries all do events and have people in all the time it's coming back now because COVID had us all shut down um, but in-person events are really, really wonderful. And you just can't beat word of mouth marketing. So if they met you and they talked to you, they're more likely to take a bookmark and give the bookmark to a friend. And that word of mouth marketing is there. However, I do also use other websites. I actually don't use Amazon for marketing because their marketing tends to be pretty expensive. But there are other marketing sites that you can use. Facebook is great. You can find local groups and do um, book review sites and things like that that will let you post totally for free. Uh, BookBub is another one that's not free, but it's cheaper. So I looked around for all kinds of them and found people smarter than me who'd been doing this longer than I had, who had recommendations on where to go for marketing. But yeah, it's a struggle. So my advice is talk about it online on social media and get other people involved, like your writing group, because once you learn, you can share those ideas and nobody has to do the work again. No, and I've I've said this before in other episodes, so people are going to get sick of this, but 
<laughs> the running community is really small and I've found that people are willing to reach out and help out. If you yeah. are, if you're able to set aside your shyness, if you have that or introvertness or whatever, like if you're able to set aside that and reach out, there are people who can help you. Absolutely. Post it on Twitter, hashtag it writing community. Somebody will find it. Somebody will answer it. I'm sure. So, you know, in-person events are, you said was key. Um, are you going to any other conventions other than the Phoenix Fan Fusion um, outside of Arizona? Yeah, um, not outside of Arizona. I have the Tempe Fan Con coming up in January. Tempe Fan Con is one of my favorite events for local things. It's thrown by the Tempe Library. It's free. Um, so you come and hang out and meet all kinds of people. They have costume contests. They have writers. I mean, it's, it's free. So why not? So people to Arizona should definitely come out and do that. It is literally one of my favorite events to do every year. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And it's also free for authors as long as they still have tables available. So if you're a local author, Tempe FanCon, go to their website, Tempe Public Library. Nice. So if you're, you know, even in the neighboring states, New Mexico, Utah, yeah. Colorado, Nevada, California, like look into that if you're listening. <laughs> definitely, because you might as well. What do you have to lose, right? It's free. <laughs> yeah. Free and you get to sell your books. Exactly. Awesome. Do you have any tips or tricks for people who are just starting out? Oh, well, you already hit on one of them. Ask for help. Because this business can be really lonely if you're just always stuck and you can't figure out how to get unstuck. You don't know who to ask. Reach out on social media. Ask for help because, like you said, the writing community is small and somebody will help you. But the other tip I always have, I think I mentioned it already, write everything down and don't delete anything. Because even if it's not good for this story now, it'll come back later and you'll need it. Nice. It sounds like you're super busy with everything. How do you stay balanced? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Some days I feel really balanced. You hit me on a good day. Some days I'm like, I don't know. I'm stressed from every angle. Uh, I think I think you have to find something you enjoy, right? You have to find something that is a stress reliever. So I have a whole shelf of Tom Levine books on my bookshelf. Nothing goes on there but Tom's books. And if I feel completely overwhelmed and stressed, I just pick a favorite and read it again. Because sometimes you just need that escapism, I think. No, you know, everybody has a, you know, a comfort food or comfort, whatever, yeah. like, you know, books, uh, movies, it doesn't matter. So oh, I think totally. that's a, that's a key point of finding something that you love, that you enjoy, that yep. can, if you're having a stressed out day or a bad day can, can lift you up. That's right. Now you talked about Tom Levine's voice. Um, how have you been able to, to work on your voice as you're writing? Cause like, you know, I'm a middle-aged man. If I, if I wrote, well, when I write, you know, teenagers or whatever, yeah. like sometimes I sound like a 43 year old man, yeah. you know, it can be hard to get it right. Or we sound like we did when we were teenagers instead of yeah. sounding like teenagers. Now, uh, part of it, I think helps that I taught teenagers for 16 years. Um, and I'm raising two of them. So that, that helps. I do a lot of reading it out loud so that I can hear if it sounds wrong. Um, I definitely have had other people read it out loud and I have amazing beta readers. So even when the book was done and I thought it was right and I read it out loud, I handed it off to some of my beta readers. There were times they came back and they were like, "This, nobody talks like that. Who, who talks like this? Fix this. Um, I, it, it does help that I have a teenager. I did make him read some of it out loud once when a beta reader said, well, this doesn't sound natural. I had my teenager read it and he was like, no, your beta reader's right. This is wrong. <laughs> so we fixed a lot of it that way. You, again, it's that you have to reach out and ask for help. You never know what's wrong if you don't ask somebody if it could be better. So... Well, that's a, that's a very good tip as well, or trick. Like if you're writing, um, I know for some people dialogue is hard and it to hard. Yeah. read it out loud to see if it sounds natural. I think that's a great technique to help yeah. people. 
It's huge. And if you are an introvert and you're like, I don't want to go outside of my house. I just need to read this out loud. I guarantee you have a camera somewhere in your house. Turn your phone on and just read it out loud to your camera function. Cause then you can play it back and you get to hear it again and you can go, oh, okay, that was, that was wrong. <laughs> I've also noticed as someone who was in theater for years, I will read the dialogue the way I meant for it to sound. So then when I play it back, I realize, oh, that's, that's not actually what I typed. And I, then I can fix it. So I read it the way I meant it. And then I have to fix the way I typed it. No, I think beta readers are, are huge too. Um, yes. How did you go about finding yours and have your beta, beta readers stuck with you? Do you have to kick some out? Do you have to, like, how do you find good ones that will do productive things for you? I, I guess. Uh, Twitter. You're going to get tired of that answer, but, but Twitter <laughs> Uh, actually, two of them are not. Two of them are, are real life people that I know that I asked to beta read way back when I was still shy and I wasn't sure. Um, and they are the ones who have stuck with me. They've read everything I've ever written. But other ones I've reached out to on Twitter have read specific books. I mean, I write a lot. So I don't know if you want, nobody really wants to commit to that many books. Um, so they, they commit one book at a time. Um, and how do I make sure they're going to work for the project? They know how many words it is, what kind of projects it is right up front. And I'm very clear about what I'm looking for. I'm looking for feedback at the end of every chapter. Um, that doesn't mean you have to call me every time you finish a chapter, but I have them write certain things down. They write down um, any questions they still have and what they're thinking, just even in a sentence, right at the end of each chapter. And then they keep going. Uh, most of the time I provide them a paperback copy that they can actually write on so they can highlight, mark up and write on it. You can get those for free, not for free, but close enough to free from like Amazon, you just tell them it's a proof copy and they'll send you one, even if it's not published. So they can write in it, they can mark it up, they can do whatever they want in it. And then I get that instant feedback. Um, I do think I only have two that have stuck with me the whole time. Everybody else is just kind of pick and choose a project that I need them for. And I had a tech expert read projection because projection is my science fiction that had technology and it needed to be just beyond what's currently possible with technology. So I had a tech expert read that one. So that was a whole different kind of beta reading. <laughs> like they had a focus. Your job is to tell me if this technology is right. And there was a few changes after they read it. <laughs> no, that's important. Like if you're, I don't know, if you're writing a fantasy novel with uh, dinosaurs or whatever, like it's important to to talk to experts to, to try to get some realism in that. So, you know, yeah. to get a tech expert for your, for projection, I think that's, that's yeah. an important well, step. And we joked about it when I was working on um, 30 Days Without Wings. A friend of mine was like, well, aren't you going to get, um, aren't you going to get experts? And I was like, who is an expert on fairies? Like, how do I, how do I do that? But you can find people who study the lore and study the history of fairies. You really can. You can find anything online. So you just got to ask. You got to know what questions to ask and be patient. Somebody will have the answer. Tabitha, thank you so much for getting on with me today. Go ahead and tell everybody how they can get a hold of you, find your books, um, social media, tags and everything yeah probably the easiest tabitha shipleybooks.com all my social media is linked to my website that's the fastest way to find me but tabitha has straight a's just like my report card tabitha shipleybooks.com <laughs> perfect thank you so much i learned a lot from you thank you for listening to the troy podcast please subscribe like and share with your friends